Have you ever daydreamed about what you would do if you won the lottery or received a large inheritance? Would you maybe buy a bigger house, get a new car, maybe a couple cars, take a dream vacation? Or how about making a large gift to your church or charity? Welcome to Through the Bible. Today, our teacher, Dr. J. Vernon McGee, takes us to the Old Testament book of Psalms, where we'll see that wealth in God's economy isn't all it's cracked up to be here on earth. I'm Steve Schwetz, and while you grab your copy of God's Word and find your place in Psalms 49 and 50, Greg is here with our mailbag. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit of a throwback term, but I think we use it metaphorically, and we know that mail for us now can be everything from a letter to an email to a Facebook post or some yep. sort of comment on WhatsApp. So Or a voice message. Or left a voice message. At yeah, 1-800-65-BIBLE. Our response, uh, our response basket. So, yes. uh, we, we have had some great letters recently and we just want to share those with you because we are always encouraged and inspired to tell the story of the good things God is doing in your life as we study the word together. Yeah. This first letter is from Julia in Pennsylvania. I love this letter because she's talking about the Bible bus passes. Yes. I've been on the Bible bus for over a year now. I started in Matthew and it's about time I put in some gas. I love it. And I keep trying to tell other people about it, and they seem interested, but they don't check it out for themselves, like me, for a long time. When I heard about the bus passes with the QR code on them, I thought, that's just the ticket, pun intended, for (laughs) introducing friends to the program. So I'm hoping you'll be able to send me some bus passes so I can spread the word. Thanks. (laughs) Yes. Thank you, Julia. That's that's lovely. Uh, Now, here's... John M. and Carol in Indiana. I was raised in a Christian home where the Bible was read regularly, and my brothers and I were required to learn weekly verses for many years. When I left for college, I have to confess I was not very open with my faith, but did continue daily Bible reading. My wife and I were married in 1974, and God brought a good friend into our lives, and we began attending a Bible study with him. He introduced us to Dr. McGee, and we began listening. This was my first experience with regular Bible study. Hmm. Interesting. He he continues, I continued to listen and went through several five-year cycles. We lost our Christian radio station probably 15 years ago. Although we continued to support TTB, we no longer listened. I retired a few years ago and started listening again to Dr. McGee on the Internet. And John continues this this great letter. It is amazing to see the countries now reached since I first started listening. I've also been on the World Prayer Team for the last year. I've been moved by how the Word of God has been used to change lives, both for now and eternity, and especially to minister to those who have no other access to good Bible teaching. Carol and I consider it a privilege to be part of getting God's word out, and we enclose this gift with full and grateful hearts. May God continue to bless your ministry and reach many more for the glory of God. Wow. John and Carol, thank you so much for being an encouragement to us. Thank you for being on the World Prayer Team. Thank yeah. you for praying. That's that's really, I mean, yes, we need gas money, but yeah. we need you praying. Yeah, absolutely. And and the fact that they continued to love and support the ministry when they went through this years. gap when they couldn't hear it. I yeah. mean, yeah. That's that's uh, that moves our hearts. Thank you both. Yep, we got time. I think for another one. Yes. Hello, Bible Bus Team. Writes David from California. This is my second trip going through the Bible on the Bible Bus. Today we finished Second Chronicles. Recently, I purchased a new Bible. It is amazing to me how the same teaching from Doctor McGee is so different when I follow along with the Bible in front of me. Now, 
I've mentioned this before. It is that is a key benefit. If you read the Bible, read the passage first. That's yes. benefit number one. And benefit number two, if you can do this, I don't always because, and I know you're the yeah. same way. You listen in the car, often in the car, yeah. Probably not real safe to no. be reading your Bible and driving. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you get to so, heaven sooner, but yeah. yeah, and you can't even do that with self driving because they got a camera facing you. But anyway, it, it's a good way to engage with the Bible because you're engaging in a, at, at, at another visual gate is going in instead of just yes. through the ear gate, as yes. Doctor. McGee would say. Now, as Dr. McGee said we should, he continues, I pray every day that God will bring revival in my heart, my home, this country, and the world as we confess our sins and commit our lives to the Word of God and turn from our wickedness. Thank you for all that you do every day. Wow. Wow. Craig, pray for (laughs) us as we begin. Father, thank you for moving in the lives and hearts of all of us who are studying your word regularly. We pray your blessing would spread to the ends of the earth as we seek to get your whole word to the whole world. Bless us now as we study. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's open to Psalm 49 and 50 as we go through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now today, friends, I come to the 49th Psalm. Now, this psalm actually concludes this first segment of psalms that began with the Exodus section of the book of Psalms, Psalm 42 now through Psalm 49. As we said when we began, these all belong together. We have here a wonderful, as it were, vindication of the ways of God in connection with the wicked and with the righteous. And we have seen how he leads his people that are away from him out of the land and how he intends to bring them in, even keep them during the time of great trouble, just as he brought his own out of the land of Egypt when they were under a dictator down there. This has been a very wonderful section. Now, when we come to this psalm here, yet again may I say, is a very remarkable psalm. And it's a psalm that is designed to contrast the ways of God in connection with the wicked and the righteous. And it is a psalm that doesn't exactly philosophize about the uncertainty of riches and the shortness of life and all that sort of thing. But it does give to us a great message. It's not just a little sweet dissertation which bids us bear bravely our perils and our sufferings, telling us that virtue is its own reward and will triumph at the end. That's not the thought here at all. It shows us that not only the vanity of riches, but the end of those who boast themselves in riches. And this psalm may sound to you to be a little revolutionary, according to the thinking of today, but I think it's one that should be considered, especially in this hour. Now, let me read these first four verses, and I'll put them together. He says, "'Hear ye this, all ye peoples. Give ear, all ye inhabitants of the age, both low and high, rich and poor alike, My mouth speaketh wisdom, and the meditation of my heart is understanding. I will incline mine ear to a parable. I'll open my riddle upon the heart. Now, what he's going to do here, and actually in the next psalm also, 
It issues a call to his creatures to hear. We're going to see that again when we come to the first chapter of Isaiah. We've already had it back in the book of Deuteronomy. You'll recall back there that when the Lord was ready to put these people in the land, why, he called heaven and earth to witness that he was putting them in the land, and not only putting them there in the land, but the conditions on which they went into the land. And he gave it to them then in the form of a song. In Deuteronomy 32, again, you have a song of Moses, and it says, "'Give ear, O ye heavens, and I'll speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth.'" And God calls heaven and earth to witness the condition on which he's putting them in the land. Then you move down quite a few years later. In fact, the matter is, you're going to move down at least 800 years later why God is ready to put them out of the land. And in Isaiah, he says, I want you to hear heaven and earth that the thing I'm doing is just and righteous. And he did that when he put them out of the land. Now, here is a call to hear. And it's called to hear something that I'm sure may be troubling a great many of us today. And we wonder about it in this day. And what we have here is the question that is asked in verse 5. And I would say that this section here begins with this question. And here it is, verse 5. Wherefore should I fear in the days of evil, when the iniquity of my heels shall compass me about? Now, the question is asked here, and you wonder who's asking the question. Is the writer of the psalm the sons of Korah? Are they asking it? Or is it a question that is in the mouth of the self-confident rich? Or is it a question asked by the righteous who suffer unjustly from the hands of the wicked? And the ones that today are in want and look at the prosperity of the rich. I was a poor boy, and the only difference now is I'm a poor man, but I really was a poor boy. And I must confess, I've always looked at the rich with just a little bit of suspicion. I probably shouldn't do it, but I do. I always question their motives to begin with. And this is a psalm that just gets right down to the nitty-gritty, by the way. What about the rich today? What's going to happen to him? And why does God permit the rich to get by with so much? And they don't seem to have trouble like other men. And today, there is a clique in this country that is made up of the rich, the influential, and at election time, they always come around and talk about us. And they really tell us how wonderful we are and how intelligent we are and how lovely we are because they want us to vote for their candidate. My feeling is that this is a circle very few of my listeners know anything about that at all. There's always a question in the mind. Why does God permit them to get by with so much today? Why doesn't God do something about it? Well, let's move on down in this psalm, and let's read just a little. I want to read verse 6. They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, 
None of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. The important thing to note is that no matter how rich the man is, he can't buy salvation. I go to the same counter he goes to, and I've got the same price that he's got to buy salvation, and that's nothing. To him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So I come up to the counter, and I don't have anything. And he comes up, and he's a rich man, but he can't buy it. And therefore, he's on the same par that I am. So he's excluded from redemption just because he has riches. That is, he's deluded in thinking he can buy it, that by doing something, giving something, that he'll be able to be saved. Now, we have something here that's put in a parenthesis in verse 8 that's interesting. For the redemption of their soul is precious, and it ceaseth forever. They don't have enough money to buy their salvation. No man has enough to buy salvation. And verse 9, that he should still live forever and not see corruption. The rich going to die just like anyone else. I think that on the basis of this psalm is probably the basis on which the Lord Jesus gave that parable about the rich man and the poor man, Lazarus, that died. You remember. What a contrast. And you have to get that kind of a perspective to understand it. He's not going to live forever. Verse 9, that he should still live forever and not see corruption. For he seeth that wise men die, likewise the fool and the stupid person perish and leave their wealth to others. I don't care who you are, how much you got, you're going to leave it someday. You know that you can take what you've got, you can put it in a safety deposit box and put it in a vault deep in the earth, and you can say, this is mine, nobody can take it away from me. And you know you're right, nobody can take it away from you, but there is somebody that can take you away from it, your riches, and that's the Lord. One day, death will knock at your door, and you're going to be, at that time, just as poor as anyone. What is the old bromide that there's no pocket in a shroud? When one of the asters died years ago, why, there's some of the poorer relatives were waiting outside. And when the lawyer came out, why, they asked the question. They said, how much did he leave? And the lawyer said, he left it all. <laughs> he didn't take anything with him. That's the first thing that the psalmist sees here. My friend, you may be rich down here. You can't buy your salvation. You can't extend your life. And you find yourself going off and leaving that little bundle that you've made down here someday. And that's one reason, very frankly today, we encourage people to leave what they've got for Christian works, to get out the Word of God. How important that is. Now, will you notice verse 11, their inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever and their dwelling places to all generation. They call their lands after their own names. Now, a great many people try to perpetuate their names. I think it's quite interesting that the name Rockefeller is on buildings all over the world. And people say, my, wasn't he generous? Well, that is after he left that they put the buildings up. And the interesting thing is 
In one sense, that's pretty cheap advertising, by the way. I've never been able to pay enough to get my name in marble on a building. In fact, I don't want it there. But the point is, my friend, that doesn't perpetuate your name. One of these days, the buildings are coming down, and we don't even remember the individual any longer. Now, will you notice what he says here in verse 12? Nevertheless, man being in honor abideth not. He's like the beasts that perish. And one of these days, man that had such a high position here, why his body is put in the grave, goes right back to the dirt like anyone else's. Now he says this, their way is their folly, yet their posterity approve their sayings. Now, here's a very interesting expression. Like sheep, they're laid in Sheol. And actually, the literal is, death is their shepherd. And over in contrast to this, David said, The Lord is my shepherd, and he's life, by the way. He that hath the Son hath life. But the other shepherd, the false shepherd, is death. Death is their shepherd. Death shall feed on them. And that's interesting. A shepherd should feed the sheep. But here is a shepherd, he's eating his sheep. And the upright shall have dominion over them in the morning, and their beauty shall consume and sheol from their dwelling. A person may spend a fortune in a beauty parlor, may put on all kinds of lotions and powders and creams. But my friend, you take a look in the grave after a few years, and I must say it's not a pretty sight. I've seen several like that. It's not very attractive, by the way. Death really is not a beautiful thing by any means. Verse 15, But God will redeem my soul from the power of Sheol, or the grave, for he shall receive me. Selah. Now it's time to think it over. God alone can redeem your soul. The important thing in this life is not whether you're rich or poor, because in the final analysis... When you move out to eternity, the important thing is, are you redeemed? Are you regenerate? Are you a child of God through faith in Christ? Now, listen to him, verse 16. Be not thou afraid when one is made rich, when the glory of his house is increased. Don't let that disturb you, that there are rich people around today, and they are getting by with murder, and they get by with adultery. They get by with everything. Sure they do. Let's not cover up. Let's not beat around the bush. And they get elected to office. I say to you today, friends, that the poor are not getting just deal in this world. And the reason that I've cast my lot with the Lord Jesus, well, several reasons. One is, it says he's going to judge the poor in righteousness. And I know I'm going to get a fair deal one of these days. This is a great psalm. Now, Verse 17, For when he dieth, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. Though while he lived, he blessed his soul. And men will praise thee when thou doest well to thyself. He shall go to the generation of his fathers. They shall never see light. Man that is an honor and understandeth not is like the beast that perish. Now, this is a very interesting verse. We hear a great deal today that man has evolved from beasts or from the animal. The fact of the matter is the Bible really teaches the opposite. God created man upright. God created him in his image. Man fell, and man can so live today apart from God like an animal. 
and he's like an animal when he dies. Man is not evolving upward. He's evolving downward. He's not on the upward trail at all. Man is inclined to go down. And that is natural with anything in this life. Everything, to my judgment, contradicts evolution. Nothing goes upward by itself. It all gravitates downward. The law of gravitation in the physical world pulls everything to the bottom. And in the moral world, there is today a moral gravitation, which is immorality. It'll pull a man down. Now we have in Psalm 50 here a psalm of Asaph. Asaph was a musician. He was one of the three great song leaders in the temple. Heman, Asaph, and Ethan were the three. And this psalm is a great psalm. It's a judgment psalm. And here we see God coming in righteousness to judge his people. It's right before this marvelous, very wonderful 51st psalm that we'll come to next time. Now listen to it, how it opens. The mighty God, even the Lord, hath spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun unto the going down thereof. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God hath shined. Our God shall come, shall not keep silence. A fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very tempestuous round about him. Now, this is a great psalm, a wonderful psalm, and this is the introduction to it. The mighty God is coming. What a glorious anticipation that should be for the child of God. Someday, friends, we shall see him. We shall see him. That's the prospect of the believer today. Now, there goes out again this call to hear, beginning in verse 4. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth that he may judge his people. When God's ready to judge, he wants plenty of witnesses to be there to make sure that he's righteous in all that he does. He says, Gather my saints together unto me, those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. That will be Israel, you see. And the heavens shall declare his righteousness, for God is judge himself. The Lord Jesus is going to be the judge. The Father said he'd committed all judgment to the Son. Now, here in verse 7, Hear, O my people, and I'll speak, O Israel. I'll testify against thee. I am God, even thy God. Now, he says, I'll not reprove thee for thy sacrifices or thy burnt offerings to have been continually before me. The important thing was, had you been in Jerusalem at this time and later on when the temple was built, you would have raised a question with the Lord. You would have said, well, look, Lord, you're criticizing these people. They always come out on Sunday night. They come to prayer meeting on Wednesday night. They're always present. Why, they're just busy as termites around the temple here, and they're serving all the time. Well, sure they were. Just going to church, you know, is not the important thing. I think it's important, but it hasn't anything to do really with a person's relationship with God. You better establish that relationship through Christ. And then you'll want to go to church. Now, will you notice verse 8? I will not reprove thee for thy sacrifices, thy burnt offerings to have been continually before me. I'll take no bullock out of thy house, nor he goats out of thy folds. For every beast of the forest is mine, and cattle upon a thousand hills. And God says, do you think you were really giving me something when you brought sacrifices to me? 
Why, God says they all belong to me anyway. And if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. I'll drop down now because this is a picture of judgment. Verse 15, And call upon me in the day of trouble, I'll deliver thee. And what a marvelous insertion this is here. God asks his people to come to him. But the wicked, God intends to judge them. And God says, I didn't let you get by with sin. Verse 21, These things hast thou done, and I kept silence. Thou thoughtest that I was altogether such a one as thyself. But I will reprove thee, and set them in order before thine eyes. Now he says, Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me, and to him that ordereth his conduct aright will I show the salvation of God. This is a glorious psalm. We'll leave off right there. Until next time, may God richly bless you, my beloved. To find out more about the resources we offer to help you deepen your love of God's Word, you can call 1-800-65-BIBLE or visit ttb.org. I'm Steve Schwetz, and as always, I'm going to be here next time saving a seat on the Bible bus just for you. Our journey on the Bible bus today is supported by the prayers and gifts of fellow passengers as we travel through the Bible.